All right, everybody. I want you to grab a piece of paper and a pencil. And I want you to write down this special recipe we have for you this week. Listen, you want to get three, a three-cup pot. You want to put two cups of water in it. You got to place the water in the pot. Just make sure that it's a three-cup pot because there could be boiling over. Then I want you to put a cup of ice cubes in that pot. Turn the burner on high, as high as it goes. But listen, after you do that, you cannot watch the pot because this will take forever if you watch the pot. But you also, you can't leave it unattended or you will literally burn your house down. Okay, so you have to find a happy medium in there, and I hope that you do. You bring that water to a boil, okay? Once it's boiling, here it's important, remove it from the burner. Then turn your burner off. After you turn the burner off, you use that water immediately, or you're going to have to redo every one of these steps. Rudy, your thoughts? Yes, chef. <laughs> I was hoping for that was steamy. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Roller of the Rural Vintage Baseball Podcast, talking vintage baseball players with coast, coast, border, and border. Border and border, border to border. Run for the border. Great episode this week. We're going to the great state of Missouri. Talk to the gentleman from the Lafayette Square Cyclone Vintage Baseball Club. And then we'll be interviewing uh, one-on-one later on with the newest, the newest? What is the newest? The new captain of the Bay City, Michigan Independence, uh, Graham Parker. So full show, good times. Uh, and we're going to get right to it. Uh, but first, let me bring in my co-host, uh, Rudy Swamp Fox Frias. Rudy, how's your week gone? Oh, it's been uh, uh, been quite the week, hasn't it? Whew. I don't, I don't know. Has it? Monday. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean the week from, uh, you know what I mean. So I. Oh no, yeah, been going. You know what I'm looking forward to, and we're gonna get into it later. But I'm looking forward to uh, Saturday. So that's what that's what's motivating me, getting me out of the bed. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I didn't get out of bed for the last three days because on Friday for the first time in 26 years of delivering beer, I had to go home early due to illness. I've sure I, I miss days like everybody else misses days. Everybody misses days. I get sick days, but I've never gone to work and then had to stop and come back home. And I stayed in bed until uh, yesterday, and uh, and I'm just getting back to feeling normal. So that was a pleasant loss of a weekend. I didn't accomplish a damn thing. But uh, usually you're the one that's sick, so. Eh. <laughs> thanks, Dis- thanks. Yeah. Disappointed there. Hey, before we bring in the two uh, gentlemen here uh, from Lafayette, let's get a couple of things off of our uh, to-do list. Uh, don't forget if you want a t-shirt of the podcast, there's no, we don't, we're not, it's no, there's no deadline. 
There's no big store. There's no big the la 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 any of this. The the post is pinned at the top of the Facebook group page or the Facebook group because we got like I don't understand Facebook's a lot. We have two pages on Facebook. One we had two and one the group the group that's got over six hundred people in it. At the top of that one is a pinned post of a t shirt you can get and with instructions on it. If you want a t shirt and you want to find that, just contact me like you do for everything else. I'll send it your way. Don't worry about it. Uh also don't forget to check out all of our social media stuff and our Twitters because Listen, if you check this stuff out, then we get, you know, it all works in rankings of all these polls and blah, 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 blah. I, f- I really feel like I'm uh, glad handing everybody, Rudy. Am, am I running for office? What's going on here? Hey, man, let's start kissing <laughs> some babies, all right? <laughs> we will kiss your babies this Saturday at in Flat Rock, Michigan. Uh, Rudy's got to play. But uh, I'm calling some games. Rudy's calling some games he's not uh, playing in, and uh, it should be a good time. 64 and partly cloudy so far as we speak. Uh, Rudy, after after we bring in Graham Parker and we get halfway through that, uh, he doesn't know this, but Michael Jarema's coming in, uh, and we're going to have the first ever nerd off. So that's prepared and ready to go. So I just want you to, to be aware of that. Okay, and without further ado, uh, let's bring in from the Lafayette Square Cyclones Vintage Baseball Club in St. Louis, Missouri, we have Chris Bookworm Duggan and Ross Atlas Galantine, the co-captains. How are you gentlemen doing this evening? Good. How about yourself? We are are ready for vintage baseball. Uh, You guys have already played vintage baseball, am I correct? Did you play the Belleville Stags already? Yeah, that's correct. We uh, we opened our season last weekend with two games in Belleville at Moose Meadow, and uh, you know, as uh, as we were discussing earlier, it was uh, ideal weather for vintage baseball. Uh, about fifty and uh, really windy. Um, you know, the ball stings a little bit this time of the year, and even more so when it's when it's those kind of conditions. Is that, and we hadn't had any practice yet, so we're just going in cold to the cold. <laughs> you wow. Would've, you would have practiced in colder. Uh, yeah, the ball stings all the time. I don't know. Is it just me? I got meaty hands, and the ball always stings. It never matters the weather or anything. It's just It always feels the same. I guess I'm kind of immune to it, sitting in a chair yeah, watching a game. Of, you know, degrees of stingage. Um I would say, and, and uh, it's particularly high. The, the same location every year that we have the other organizations in the area have something called a goodwill game, which is essentially a big pickup game. And and generally the Stags will host the one in the spring. We do one in the fall too, to close the season. And they they made three attempts at this location to do that. Uh, uh, two times it was, uh, you know, too rainy and swampy there. And then, uh, uh, a third time, rainy and swampy, and you know, almost freezing. So, you know, this uh, we were shocked and delighted that we got to play it all this weekend. Frankly, yeah, we've re- had really bad luck with the weather um, this spring. Like I was saying earlier, yeah, it's probably about ten degrees cooler than it normally is here on the first of May. Uh, yeah, 
Uh, Ross, you're a member of the St. Louis Baseball Historical Society. Is that correct? Oh, I mean, we both are, yeah. Oh, uh, you're the vice president. Chris, what do you, what office do you hold? I'm the president. President, vice president, co-captains of Lafayette. Okay, so it all it all comes together and works out here. So This is the brain trust right here. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far. Chris came up to me. He asked me at the scheduling meeting last November, do you want to be a vice president? And I said yes. But to be honest, I don't even know what I do. That's right. right. Rudy what doesn't know what he does. Point is we have we have an uncontested election, and and then your vice president. Yeah, I'm I'm right in that same boat, Barrel. You're right. No idea. I'm just here to look pretty. Yeah, Rudy doesn't know what he does here either. I don't. Sometimes I don't know either. Uh, well, let's, gentlemen. Uh, you're obviously friends. I don't know how far back your club goes. So, Chris, could you start us off by uh, telling us the origin of this uh, the club and if there's any history? Sure. Yeah. The um, well, the Greater St. Louis Baseball Historical Society is our umbrella organization, and it was founded in 2002. Um, and it uh, it was assembled from a group of guys who played another another club, I think in Washington, Missouri, but I'm not positive on that. Um, and they formed a club uh, which which came to be known as the St. Louis Perfectos, and uh, they played for a number of years. The Perfectos, uh, and uh, was, that was actually the name of the St. Louis Cardinals before they were the Cardinals. It was their name for a single year, um, before which they were the Brown Stockings. But but anyway, um, I joined the club. I joined the the Perfectos in 2008, and um, came in with an infusion of players. And and by the end of that season, it was somewhat clear that we we had. You know, we'd have like 18 people sign up for a home game and we thought, you know, we'd do a little bit of recruiting. We could form another club. And and that that club was the Lafayette's first cyclone baseball club, which which had its uh, first season in 2009. And um, we um, we shared the field at Lafayette Park in St. Louis. It happens to be the first place where organized baseball was played in St. Louis. So nice bit of history there. And in fact, the Lafayette Square Cyclone Baseball Club was an actual club. It was the first organized baseball team in St. Louis. So some nice bits of symmetry, and that's that's where they played as well. So um, uh, so then I uh, uh, I was really just just a player at that point, and um, as we went, we we accumulated different people, and then uh, uh, every year we would do this festival at Francis Park, which is nearby, also in South St. Louis. And, and this one particular year, uh, uh, we met Ross, and he can he can tell the story about uh, about how he wound up joining the club. Yeah, so picture it, um, 2012, uh, September, um, in the, you know, lovely neighborhood park, Francis Park, um, in South St. Louis. Um, I was, uh, there with my ex-girlfriend, they were at, we were at the art fair and I saw these guys playing, uh, an interesting, uh, brand of baseball actually is a uh, funny thing is that the cyclone were playing the local, uh, church softball team. So it was a very funny kind of mix of, uh, um, you know, imagery there, you know, the vintage uniforms, you know, and then these guys, you know, their t-shirts and shorts, you know, with, you know, I think St. Gabriel's, you know. Uh, church um, logo on it and so I um, you know decided to watch and I was you know chatting it up with some of the cyclone players and just kind of 
crouched there on the third base side, sitting there, and um, one of the uh, softball players hit a foul ball. So, you know, I kind of ducked out of the way. And I think it was Chris that said, um, well, I just want to let you know that if you catch the ball, you know, even as, you know, a spectator uh, on a, you know, fly or a, a bound, um, you can get the um, the hitter out. So I thought, oh, okay, that's pretty strange. Uh, sure enough, about the next inning, Chris is at the plate, and uh, Chris is left-handed, so he kind of dinks one over on third base, and I just kind of lunge for it, and I get it, throw it to the pitcher, and Chris is out, and, you know, Chris was a little bit, you know, upset with me, and uh, I got the invite uh, from <laughs> Um, from that spot uh, to play and in my jeans and t-shirt I got into uh, at least uh, I think one at bat and I got on base and the rest is history let me ask you this you said Chris was uh, probably a little mad at you uh, for that is he more mad at you because you got him out or is he more mad at you because you referred to it as a dink well, I, I, I was, I said, think that was probably not a good, you know, place of words. And I do regret that. So he's mad for me, mad at me twice now. Probably. I'm going to go ahead and say that it, it was not my best struck ball, really. Uh, but um, uh, having said that, uh, you know, we are nothing if not keen evaluators of talent. And uh, uh, the, that humiliation initially aside, uh, it really uh, it has paid off. Um, to a much greater degree over time. Uh, Chris, can you tell everybody the um, the uniforms that you guys have gone with? Is that uh, is that historically accurate? I know the the concept is is accurate for the times, but is the is the color scheme and and the whole thing accurate for what it was? Yeah, pretty much. Um, the gentleman who was kind of spearheaded the creation of the club. Um, guy named Rick Ray, whose, whose nickname was Sting, Rick Sting Ray. Um, uh, he was a uh, retired uh, police detective for St. Louis Police Department and also um, uh, a, a really well-schooled historian of baseball in St. Louis. And, and he had done a wealth of research and found some illustrations that depicted the uniform. So so what we have is, is pretty close to what they had at that time. Um, what we have on our our chest plates is um, a uh, kind of a, a symbol in La- the Lafayette Square neighborhood. It's it's kind of the shape of the finials on top of some of the fence posts. Thank you very much, Ross. I was just kicking myself for not having that on hand. Um, and uh, I'm not sure that, that they had that on the, the uniforms back then, but, but in every other way, it's pretty much pretty much what they uh what they had this is the hat that we wear um i think we have slightly different variations but we call this one the outhouse over the moon uh, version as you can see yeah it really does look uh-huh. like an outhouse uh, yeah that's what it looks like to me yeah yeah <laughs> i'm glad you there came a point where we couldn't find an embroiderer who could do that so so some of the subsequent seeds on later hats uh, look different and so the original guys who have that, we call them the outhouse gang. <laughs> it's odd you say you couldn't find an embroiderer that could do that because I feel like in the 1860s, that's the only design embroiderers could make was an outhouse over a moon. So yeah, my, my how, how times have yeah. changed. 
Hey, uh, Rudy, you were having a, a great conversation with the gentleman before we hit record, and we wanted to make sure that, that we touched on that. Do you want to go ahead and, and start that conversation again? Well, no, yeah, we totally can, because we were, we were getting into the starting vintage baseball at this time of year, and then um, you, you, you talked about your, your Belleville Stags game that you usually do, one in the spring and one in the fall. Um, let's, let's talk about your schedule. Like, how many matches a, a season are you trying to, as co-captains, are you trying to put together for your club? We generally try to shoot for a couple of dates a, a month, um, you know, just, and that's just kind of what we've arrived at. We, you know, when we were younger, we played a lot more, and um, now we're kind of at that place where, well, we're trying to stave off burnout and injury at the same time. So uh, that that seems to be pretty much a happy medium. Yeah, and you know, it allows you know everybody you know to take you know adequate time for you know going on you know vacations during the summer. And, you know, in St. Louis, you know, the heat can be just brutal. Yeah, as much that. as the, uh, the early season uh, temperatures can be uh, a little bit brutal and hard on the hands. Uh, yeah. You're, you're really, you're praying for that come around <laughs> June in St. Louis. Uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by the co-captainship. So, like, there's Chris rips this rocket down the line and, and Ross <laughs> – Thank you for that visual. Ross like <laughs> kind of just throws his hand up to protect himself and catches the ball. And the next thing you know, he's on the team. When did Ross when what when when did this co captainship form? I'm not sure I was captain when when that fateful day occurred. Um, uh, just over time, you know, uh, different people in leadership they they cycle out, they move, they they have kids, they do the other destructive things to vintage baseball careers and. <laughs> and then, um, you know, and then other people have to step up. And so, you know, I, I was one of those people. And, um, and then, uh, you know, over time, of course, uh, you, you identify the folks who are more passionate about the, the team and the game. And, and Ross is one of those people. So, so here we are. Yeah, I'd say I'm really just a product of, you know, showing up, you know, for most of the games. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you're, you're hired. That's it. Yeah, they say in life, showing up is 50% of success. In vintage baseball, it's about 95%. That's very yeah, true. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I love well, it. Well, you guys play in a, in a, in a beautiful state. So you guys probably have, have played at some uh, wonderful venues. I know that there's been pictures of you playing at the St. Louis arch, which has got to be actually kind of crazy. Uh, uh, Chris, let's start with you. Where are some of your favorite places that you've had the opportunity to go uh, take Lafayette to play? Um, you know, I aside from our our own field, which I, you know, this this is going to sound hokey, but but I love playing at our field really as much as I like playing anywhere else. It's it's a beautiful setting. It's a it was the first I think park in. St. Louis, Actually, um, I just read today, It's the, and I don't know if this is correct, so, you know, check your sources. You know, uh, apparently the first park west of the Mississippi River. And, um, and you know, like I said, it's got that great historical connection. But aside from that, the neighborhood is just, you're surrounded by this old Victorian architecture. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful setting to, to play baseball in. So, but aside from that, shameless plug. Um, 
probably my favorite place was, you know, uh, uh, Matt Lurk with the Scoops has organized on a number of occasions um, several clubs going up and playing at Field of Dreams in Dyersville, Iowa, which which was enormous fun. I mean, um, you know, I, I just couldn't get enough of that. I did Google it. Somebody said I uh, I should Google it in my head, and I did. It says Lafayette Park was set aside from the St. Louis Common in 1836 and dedicated in 1851 as one of the first public parks and by far the largest of its era is considered by many historians to be the oldest urban park west of the Mississippi. So ding, ding, ding. Correct answer there, Ross. Uh, right. You are the man. Uh, Ross, you got any uh, uh, special events uh, that the vintage baseball community in the St. Louis area puts on that you guys uh, take part in every year? Well, yeah, um, at our home park in Lafayette Square at Lafayette Park, um, we have the uh, annual Barclay Festival, which takes place over a weekend, both Saturday and Sunday. Uh, and Saturday is actually in conjunction with, um, formerly it was a home tour, but due to you know the COVID-19 pandemic, they transitioned to a um, home garden tour. Uh, so there's a home garden tour uh, on that Saturday. And there's also um, antique dealers, you know, hawking their wares uh, along two sides of the, of the street uh, on Park Avenue, which is our uh, third base side. And um, then um, uh, Mississippi, which if you hit one really far to left field, you might hit them, but I uh, haven't seen it yet. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a great event. Uh, we got a lot of people walking around. Um, you know, to check out. And we usually have about, I think we've got about five games on this Saturday. Does that sound right, Chris? Yeah, usually we'll do uh, like like five on, it's the first weekend in June. We'll do five yeah, on so Saturday. June 3rd, June 3rd and the 4th this year. Uh, once again, uh, and also, oh, go ahead. I wanted to show, um, so I have the neighborhood um Newspaper, the Marquis, named after uh, General Marquis de Lafayette of uh, the Revolutionary War. Uh, as you can kind of see up here, we have a little bit of plug for an 1860s baseball game as part of the Spring Garden Tour. Um, but yeah, they should be games. We're playing multiple games, not just the one. Yeah, you don't play. You don't play one game at a Spring Garden Tour. I think. I think That's Akron, right. Akron, Ohio, would agree with that. I believe. <laughs> uh, but hey people are going to show up expecting one game and you're going to give them more this is there i mean come i don't on. think so they're gonna what? we we constantly uh under promise and over deliver <laughs> there you go we are talking with chris uh diggin and ross Gal galantine the co-captains of the lafayette square cyclone uh vintage baseball club let me ask you this as a, a major league baseball fan and, and Rudy is too, on some level, how crazy is it to be in St. Louis? I mean, how crazy is the fan base there about the Cardinals? On a scale from one to 10, I, I, I they're right up there. Yeah. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty rabid this year so far has been really painful, but, um, you know, but I lived through the seventies and that was, that was a whole decade of painful. So, 
Okay. Now we're, it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like to think that April is by far, are going to be by far the worst month for the Cardinals and they should turn it around. Uh, uh, but you never know. You never know. But are they one of those fan bases that stay strong and loud no matter how well the club is doing? Or is it all dependent? I know it is on some level, but is it all dependent on how well they're doing? You know, I I, I think that uh, to, to some extent, of course, um, you know, they continue showing up. And um, and I think that's, that's the biggest hallmark of the Cardinal fan base is they they generally have pretty pretty good crowds, regardless. Um, having said that, you know we're you know, they they're almost always in the conversation during the Dewitt era of ownership of, of being in the you know in contention for the division uh, most years. So so there's something to come for. So, uh, but but yeah, I I mean uh, it, it's hard to judge. I you know I've never lived in another city, but but I feel like um, you know it's it's a pretty faithful fan base and we're, we're, we're fiercely protective. We have St. Louis has sort of a perpetual sort of underdog complex going on. And, uh, you know, damn it, the, the Cardinals are, are one of the great things that we have going for us. So, so, uh, we, you know, we want that. It does sound like you're a little bitter that the Rams left. How is the, is the town over it or does it still hurt? Uh, you know, I like it. I'm going to let Ross answer that question. Oh, well, uh, I'm actually not, you know, pro football fan, so I didn't really care. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, by the time they left, I mean, the, the ownership clearly had no interest in putting a winning team on the field. And, and um, you know, it was kind of like just I, go, 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 please go. Yeah, it's almost like an open A situation to some extent with, with the Rams ownership. All right, once again, it's the Lafayette Square Cyclone Vintage Baseball Club. Uh, you can find them on the Facebook. You can also find them, we're going to hear them say those magic words. Uh, it's going to be cyclonebaseball.wordpress.com, and they're about to say that the website's not up to date. Say it, guys. That's correct. The website is not up to date. <laughs> Nobody's is. <laughs> every time we bring up a club's, <laughs> every time we bring up a in website. In addition to being the, the, uh, the organization president and the co-captain, I'm also the webmaster and, and uh, you know, have a full-time job and all of that stuff. So. Well, if you think about playing vintage baseball, of course, you know, it's out of date. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's out of or, date. Send, a, send them a letter if you want to get in touch with them. Let's, let's go back. There you go. Now, and John, we do we do a better job of of posting things on the Facebook page as they're coming up, and uh, um, you know, and that is uh, you know we're the only Lafayette Square Cyclone baseball club on Facebook, so give you know, that a go. Hey Ross, how did you get the the nickname uh, Atlas? Uh, well, I mean, I came up with it my, myself, but I uh, you know was a geography major back in college. So I just thought it sounded like it'd be kind of a fun nickname. That's a solid nickname, and I'm a little jealous. You get to pick out. You got to pick out your nickname. Not so many people. people do. Wow. Yeah. Not my. Not my Uh-oh. experience, unfortunately. But hey, I don't. You know, it it happens. Uh, hey, Chris, what was your what was your moniker, Chris? I am uh, I am known as Bookworm, which you you can probably tell just by looking at me where that one came from, but. Um, 
I, I was an English major. I, I'm a communications professional, and and uh, there it goes. Yeah. Have you written uh, a book? Learned a gentleman. Have you have you written a book, Chris? I have written a book. Yes. What's... I have not published a book. Oh, you've written it, and you haven't gotten it published, or you haven't attempted to get it published. Well, I have. I have, of course, attempted to get it published. It, publishing is hard. I mean. Oh yeah. Very, it's more competitive than men's baseball, that's for sure. Uh, what was the book about, can I ask? It was a, uh, it was a tenderly written coming-of-age story about a young artist in 1980 St. Louis. True story? No. Oh. I don't know. I'm interested. Rudy, you like artsy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Naturally, way to connect those dots. <laughs> yeah, so, if anybody in your listener base has, has anybody in the publishing industry that that sounded interesting to, uh, feel free to look me up. You know what? There, the funny thing about the vintage baseball community is there is somebody that has connections in in that field, and I don't know who it is off the top of my head, but there's a there's somebody for everything in the vintage baseball community. There's always a connection. Always, yeah. it's amazing the it, things we come across down here. Absolutely. And if there was only a podcast that would connect those individuals or get the message out. <laughs> Somebody that, you should know. do that. What a great idea, yeah. Rudy. Oh, you're not all looks. You know that? <laughs> uh, gentlemen, we want to thank you for stopping in. We really appreciate it. Uh, the Lafayette Square Cyclone Vintage Baseball Club from St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, you guys were great. We appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for the, guy, for the uh, managers out there who want to make the trip, out to see you uh is i'm assuming facebook would be the easiest way to get in touch with you to try and yeah. schedule some matches yeah definitely we have uh you know we use messenger on that um i can also just uh shout out my email address um it is cdug65 at yahoo.com there you go that's fantastic guys thank you so much for joining us i i'm i have seen your uniform at the ohio cup and always remark that it is sharp and I like it. And it's really nice to meet you guys. Thank you so much. Oh, we appreciate you, so you having us. Yeah. Thank you guys. Fun. Take care. Thank you. Bye. All right, Rudy off to a great start. Boy, those guys, uh, gentlemen, that's the definition of gentlemen right there. I, I, the wild thing is, is I have seen that uniform for years at the Ohio cup and always been like, what is what team is that? Who are they? And it's so nice to meet them and finally put like some faces and names together to the club, and they're fantastic. Mm. This is your roller out the barrel news break for Sunday, February twenty third, eighteen seventy nine. I'm Jonathan McLean. Dateline: Havana. The national championship of Cuba was played this past month. Competing were the Havana, Almendares, and the Matanzas baseball clubs. Baseball has been rising in popularity as many see the game as an alternative to bullfighting, which was forced on them by the Spanish. Baseball represents freedom from Spain to the Cubans, and this certainly seems to be a popular sentiment among other people among Spanish occupation. The first game between the Havanas and the Matanzas was a close affair. The Havanas defeated the Matanzas five years earlier by a score of 51-9, and were hopeful to follow that up with another victory. 
They started strong with a 10-run third inning, but the Matanzas, whose name means slaughter or killings, put up eight runs in the fifth to pull to within four tallies. The Havanas, however, would not look back and took the first game by a final score of 34-26. to On February 2nd, 5,000 Cubans, several hundred being ladies, came to see the Havanas take on the Almendares Baseball Club. Founded only a year earlier, the Almendares are very much seen as the chief rival to the Habanas. The team from the capital would look to their player manager in Esteban Bayan for guidance. Bayan, who had three home runs in that 1874 game against the Matanzas, was born in Cuba but played for the unions of Morrisania, the Troy Haymakers, and the Mutuals between 1868 and 1873. He is considered the first Latin American-born ballist to play professional baseball in the U.S. Steve, as he is known by some, would contribute two runs as the Havanas became the Cuban national champions with an 18-10 victory. I'm Jonathan McLean, and this has been your Roller Out the Barrel News Break. All right, Jonathan McLean with this week's uh, news break. That reminds me, uh, coming up this Saturday at the Flat Rock, Flat Rock Invitational, Rudy Frias and I are being joined by Jeff Kozlowski. Uh, Cougar is joining Oops, the uh, the play call team uh, this weekend. So when Rudy's in the field, uh, Cougar, <laughs> Cougar's in the seat. So uh, that'll be great. And... Uh, Hopefully, I have uh, stepped up my game enough to match his brilliance. We will find Doubtful. out. <laughs> Doubtful. We will. Yeah, I know. Old dog, old dog new tricks. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Hey, did you want to bring in our guest? Yeah, absolutely. Here comes Graham. Graham Parker. Oh, oh! You sound you sound like you sound like you're whispering. It sounds to us like uh, what's that? A- ASMR stuff. But I haven't heard a peep out of him. I heard him. It was. He just sounded very soft spoken. Okay, wait a second. Sounds a little bit. Yeah, well, I'm recording and I ain't hearing Jack nothing. You haven't heard it? <laughs> it's so faint. Everybody, try to listen to Graham. Woo! Nothing. <laughs> oh, there it is. What? Does it sound any better? Oh, there it is. There it is. What'd you do you gotta, wrong? You gotta pl- plug it in. What'd you do? Oh, it's gone again. Okay. Oh, holding on. We'll, we'll vamp. I'll just do it this way. Oh, oh there he is. Wow. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Oh, this is a kid's show, sir. That's a dollar in the swear jar. A dollar. Can I prepay and give you five? Venmo. Uh, <laughs> Uh, joining the show, uh, newest captain of the Bay City Independence, not new to the team though, Graham Parker. Graham, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? 
I'm doing excellent. Rudy, how are you doing? I'm I'm doing great. Did you want to ask Graham hey, how Graham. he's doing? Hey Graham, how's it going? It's all right. All Thanks right. for asking. I appreciate you. This is great. <laughs> Uh, Graham, uh, we do, uh, have an hour, uh, to, to talk with you and we're going to use every second of it, but I just want to warn you of something that's going to happen. I'm going to give you the advantage. Michael Jarema is going to join us. Okay. Oh boy. He's joining us for the first ever roller out the barrel nerd off. Okay. Oh God. So it's only going to last a couple of minutes. He doesn't know why he's coming in. So I just want you to think about that. But I'm not, it's, okay. but that's happening. Uh, so Rudy, when he joins the room, we can just shoehorn him right in and get that sucker going. Yes. I'm uh, excited. Love it. Uh, Graham, tell us, uh, let's go ahead and just talk about your, your history with uh, the Bay City Club right now. When did you do- join the team and how did you come across uh, vintage baseball? So I joined the team, I believe it was July of 2018. Um, it was a Thursday night game against Saginaw on Ojibwe Island when they were still allowed to play there. Um, I was working at a moving company in Saginaw at the time, and my brother had randomly called me up mid-afternoon, and he goes, what are you doing at, like, 530? Um, I don't know, going home? Like, what does anyone do on a Thursday at 530? Um, he goes, no, show up at Ojibwe. I have a uniform for you. I'm going to get you into this. So um, they put me out in right field, and everybody from Saginaw hit right at me. I did not catch a ball um, <laughs> with my hands. Uh, I left with bruises on my stomach um, from a couple of the line drives hit at me. Thank you, Ink. Oh. Um, and I fell in love with it. I caught the bug right then and there, and I've been playing ever since. Now, Thursday at 530 uh, in Saginaw on Ojibwe Island, actually two things do happen. It's vintage baseball, and there's also meth deals at the picnic table in center field under the willow tree. So uh, you know this. I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So you joined the team uh, with your brother. You definitely infused uh, a much-needed I don't think that that's going too far for me to say for any vintage baseball club, a nutch, a much needed youth movement uh, to take away some of those old legs from having to do so much. Uh, old legs don't like to do much. <laughs> and uh, so um, it's nice when a vintage baseball team can bring in some youth so they don't have to worry about the future as much because sometimes you get a little thing where players start aging out and there's no future and then a folding happens or a very small schedule happens and you're sharing and doing all of that stuff. Uh, You recently, somewhat recently, were named captain of the Bay City Independence. How did that come to be? Uh, So Silverback, the previous captain, uh, my predecessor, he and I had kind of had some discussions. I think it was the end of last summer on whether or not I was going to, you know, whether or not I'd be interested. Um, and he may have even thought that or, you know, started having thoughts of that before. Um, Cause for the last four years, actually no, it's coming up on just over a year. I've been in Bay city again. Um, I lived in Grand Rapids for four years. So I was making the hike across the state every weekend to go play ball with Bay city. Um, 
And I think it really became a possibility when I moved back to Bay City. Um, and he and I just kept having discussions throughout the winter. And uh, yeah, I signed on to agree to it and he handed it over. Um, I think this year will be more of a transitional year. So he can kind of show me the ropes, um, which I'm looking forward to. There's a lot of wisdom between him and Cap Johnson, who I'm still in contact with. Um, he's still around the ball club, which we love. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. That guy, he's the worst. Uh, Cap Johnson has to be around the team as it's his main marketing tool in his re-election campaigns. So, <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's all about. <laughs> Uh, so you got a big season coming up. I, I noticed, uh, you guys have shortened your schedule down from what it was in years past. It's still, it's not short, but it's, right. uh, it is, uh, condensed a little bit, which, which a lot of clubs are going to, uh, what do you got coming up on this, uh, this year's schedule that, uh, is, uh, on your, on your mind? Yeah. Um, so to touch on something really quick, because you had brought it up and said that, you know, we're overall a little longer in the tooth. Um, we have some more established guys with families and, you know, things that they want to do outside of baseball, which is great. Um, by all means, go live your life. Baseball is one small part of it. Although younger me would fight that opinion. Um, so we average about two events a month. Uh, and then we you usually do one larger trip, um, like a travel date, whether that's like a Gettysburg or going out to the Field of Dreams. Um, but this year we are taking a trip up to the upper peninsula and we have some friends from Minnesota and Wisconsin that are going to meet us in Marquette. Uh, I think that's July 29th. Um, it's the weekend of the Marquette blueberry festival. So we're going to put on a display of uh, vintage baseball on the campus of Northern Michigan university for the public to come and watch. So that'll be a great time up in the, up in the UP this summer. I'm really looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to all of you explaining to the people that wash those nice white uniforms how you got blueberry stains in them and how they're expected <laughs> to get them out. <laughs> I am dedicated to keeping the uh, local laundromat in business with my white uniform, so they don't ask questions anymore. Uh, the white looks sharp when it's white. Yep. Uh, when I got it, I took a picture of it to say this is the last time it's going to look like this. Uh, especially as a catcher. Uh, well, you've seen me flop all over the place. You get it. Uh, it's not white anymore. After one season, it's, yeah. Graham. For, for the listener for the listener out there, gentlemen, how many uniforms do the Bay City Independents have in the rotation? One. We just have one in the rotation. Um, but well, officially, officially we have one in rotation. Um, Mm -hmm. there are probably two that you'll see this year. Um, we have our reds from season past and the new white ones that we have. Maybe if you're lucky, you'll see the cap Johnson special with the shield on the chest. Okay. I'm only aware of those three plus the old white ones that say Bay city. (laughs) So I think we're up with four. Yeah. <laughs> uh Graham, your idea of flopping around and my idea of flopping around are way two different things and they look nothing alike. So please don't ever compare the two for your sake. What, what, wait, hold on. Then. What's the missing element? What's the missing element then? 
Well, there's no flop in when I'm flopping. It's just flop. <laughs> I just you, flop you, after you, the ball. You know what? You stop. You bite your tongue, sir. After having uh, watched an entire season's worth of barrel roller as a capital, there is no flopping. He's selling himself short. You're like a big cat back there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, insert joke here, uh, listeners. Thanks for the setup on that, Rudy. I'll be getting answers all week. Landon Smith already working on a pun for that. Uh, uh, Graham, you also, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you interned as a player for the Lansing Club. Is that is that correct? Yes, I did for the past two seasons. Um, now, were you doing that because you weren't getting enough baseball, or were you doing that to help a friend out who has started a club? Yes. Mm. Um, and at the time, <laughs> and at the time that uh, Michael had gotten that club off the ground, I was living in Grand Rapids, like I said, and it's a lot quicker of a drive go to Lansing and back than it is to do the two and a half hours one way uh, to come over to Bay City. So um, I think that year combined, I had 35 matches between the two clubs that I played. How old are you? How old are you, Graham? Uh, I'm 32. I'll be yeah. 33 this summer. Oh, there's not much time left for that kind of. Yeah, All right. yeah, well, yeah. You still that you behavior is going to be knocked <laughs> off soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's uh, that's great though. Uh, you played at uh, the Field of Dreams uh, with Bay City, did yeah. you not? I did. Uh, tell uh, us last July. Yeah, tell us about your experience, your personal experience uh, at that. Was I've told this to several people before that ask. Um, it was as close to a religious experience in baseball as you can get. Um, you know, just the whole. And I get that they're making changes to the complex, a lot of which I have opinions on it. But I oh, mean, let me make a note. Just to be out there, and you know, to know what that movie means to so many people, and then for you to get to like actually go play on that field, it it was. You know, there was nothing like it. And then my dad also traveled out with us too. And to be able to go and have a catch with my dad and my brother, that that's something I won't ever forget. It was a great time. Awesome. We traveled with a bunch of people. I mean, um, J-Mac came from Minnesota. Uh, Cap and his boy Griff came. Wait up, J-Mac's alive? J-Mac's alive and kicking. Oh, man. And kicking. Um, Tick and Palomino from... Uh, Wait, those guys are alive too? They are. They traveled oh out with us. It was a great time. You seen those guys? <laughs> Sorry, if Brad, if you're listening, I'm joking. It's a joke. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. Yeah, if you go back into the archives, uh, Graham, I don't know if you've listened to any episodes uh, of the show, but we actually had an interview with David Blanchard of the Field of Dreams report, and there was a lot of vital information about the past, present, and future of that location. Did you get a chance to listen to that one? I did not, but I know what I'm going to do tomorrow during work. So it's season three, episode 28, uh, in the warm-up. Okay. Uh, he's, uh, and you can find him on Facebook, the Field of Dreams report, and he's always uh, uploading pictures and giving everybody the the latest on what's going on with the Field of Dreams. And it's, uh, to this reporter, depressing as hell. Uh, but, but, Graham, uh, you, you 
uh, you compared it to a somewhat of a religious experience. And, and I can, I can definitely compare my experience with that because I'm a, I'm a guy who loves movies. And whenever I travel around to a city, I'm always looking up filming locations of whatever movies were in town. And I want to go, you know, I've gone to Atlanta twice now, so I can go see everything Walking Dead related. I mean, I, I'm a nut about that kind of stuff. I don't know if anybody knows sure. that about me. But uh, <laughs> so Field of Dreams, I felt like my feeling of being there was just going to be cool. I'm on a movie set. I've seen this on the movies. And that is not what happened. It was just like you said. It felt religious, and I'm not. And I could not believe the emotion uh, that that field made me feel. I was not expecting it. And uh, uh, it's... uh, it's actually where Rudy and I started this wonderful friendship that we have. And, uh, okay. I also took my son with me and when we were all done and we were packing back into the vehicles and everything to head back to the hotel, I totally forgot that I did not play catch with him on that field. So we ran back out there and, uh, played catch for a couple of minutes. And it was, it was like a religious experience. It was crazy. Did you, uh, uh, I know that your father is is part of the club, basically. I mean, he's a big supporter of the club and everything. Did he make the trip to Field of Dreams with you? He did, yep. Um, he played with us. He took a couple at-bats. Uh, I believe he even got on a couple times. Um, but, yeah, he, my brother and I, we all had a catch out in uh, out left. Um, and I know uh, Tanner, Sean LaRue's boy, Bam Bam, well, his whole family came out, but I actually made a point to take Bam Bam out there too. Uh, I always think of Bam Bam as another younger brother. I mean, I have a younger brother, but he's like a younger one. Um, made a point to go out and play catch with him too. So just so he had somewhat of an experience like with an older sibling to play catch with, even though, you know, like I said, Tanner was there, but it was, it was cool to take him out and play catch with him too. Nice. Got to grow the game, man. True. Well, and that's what, and we're not going to get into it too much, but that's what actually the the Field of Dreams program is about, is growing the game, but it's also about raping the landscape at the same time. So (laughs) it's a positive and a negative all at the same time. I'm just excited. I'm just (laughs) excited y'all got a chance to get out there before it becomes this huge complex. I mean, it's on its way, and it's completely different from when we were there, but... Mm -hmm. I am. I'm so excited that y'all are there. You, y'all got that experience. That's a very, yeah. very special moment. Absolutely. Hey, sure. uh, just so everybody knows, Michael has entered the waiting room. Oh, bring him in. Oh boy. Uh, bring him in as I ask uh, ask Graham Parker about a a rumor. Uh, if you're okay with me asking you about a rumor, if you don't want to answer, just just blow me off, okay? All right. Uh. Is Bay City looking to go try the silver ball on for size? Conversations have been had. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that look for the listener out there? There is nothing concrete, but it's come up a couple times. Uh, I I actually hear of a lot of clubs that want to get out there at least once uh, mm-hmm. to experience something different, an event. 
and the pull is everybody the silver ball happens on the same exact weekend as the world tournament at greenfield village so you have to either wait for a year where you miss the draw at greenfield village or you just have to give up your spot at greenfield village and go which is uh not something that is taken yeah. lightly. Michael says he doesn't hear anything. What is wrong, Mike? Speaking personally, though, I've obviously never been out there. So would I like to go? Yes. Is it totally my decision? No. Well, I mean, as the captain now, you should rule with an iron fist. Get those clowns in line. Let them know. You've met some of the guys that wouldn't go over very far. <laughs> yeah, I, I, they need some structure in their lives. I'm telling you, you're, you're the man for the job. Rudy, I need structure <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, he's a, we might have a rebooting in process right now. It's okay. Mike got scared. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, I don't, I'm nervous. I don't even know what this is, a nerd off, but I'm excited. It's not as bad as it sounds. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's really not. I mean, I don't have that kind of time on my hands, guys. So <laughs> let's, let's not get too excited about what's about to happen. Uh, and hopefully he can, uh, he can hear us. So, so this can go off with many hitches. <laughs> All right. It looks like Michael's back in the room. We'll see what happens. So wait a second, uh, Graham. Uh, you, you've talked about the schedule. Where did you have any part in helping schedule this season, or is that something you're going to take on fully next season? So there were a couple dates that were already established that um, that Silverback had set up before he had handed everything over to me. Uh-huh. But other than that, I mean, I filled out May, uh, May, August, and September. So it was a half and half kind of deal. Okay. Um, but going forward, I anticipate it's going to be me. Let me ask you this, um, as uh, a scheduler to another, are there in a team that, you know, has a history of like scheduling games and competitive games, um, do you get input from your guys about, oh, yeah. The, uh, yeah, really about like teams and clubs and events? Absolutely. Um, you know, schoolboy, uh, Kid Garcia, him and I, or the three of us, we talk pretty regularly. Um, I'm always taking input. I'm not gonna you know go and do this on my own not go rogue or anything like that so i'm constantly taking input from the guys and you know schoolie flips me a couple ideas every now and again kid and i talk uh baseball probably you know two out of three times that we ever talk baseball comes up um teams come up like that so yeah he's always giving suggestions too fantastic yeah you guys what about you uh what's your method do you take input from your guys or darts on a wall Dart is <laughs> on a wall. I pick a blind draw out of a no, like yeah, it was the same thing. Uh, like we have a couple of dates that we're always locked into. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes my guys, their um, their hearts are bigger than uh, their mind. I would say, like they're like, we're we're going out to Rhode Island. I'm like, really? The week after the world tournament. You guys, you know, I can, I barely get y'all to show up for the Ohio cup. So like we, we, it's nice to get a gauge of what they want to do. And if I can set it out uh, ahead of time, then we can, we can really make some things happen. But yeah, it's like, I don't schedule any games without running them by my guys. Like 
I'll say, hey, here, here, and here. Here's what we have available. Tell me what you want to do. And then I put it together. Okay. Right on. Yeah. I'm going to Rhode Island. I know. I'm jealous. I'm so jealous. I might even get to uh, the world tournament if uh, Rudy gets us a sweet spot. You got to worry. Yeah, I got you. I I know a guy. I got you. I know a guy. Okay. Just testing that. Uh, I want to be... I want us to not have people standing in front of us and realizing that they're doing it and not care. So I just I want to avoid people as much as possible. Hey, we have Michael Jarema joining us. Jarey of Sunshine. Michael Jarema. There you go. You got it. Uh, Michael, we, wa- we wanted to bring you in. Hi, Graham. Uh, we wanted to bring you in because when we were uh, talking to you, uh, on your episode a couple weeks ago, we, we referred to how you and your friend Graham are, are nerds. Yeah. Uh, so I thought it would be fun to bring you back and have the first ever roller out the barrel nerd off. Oh boy. So here we go. I'm going to ask you guys questions. We're going to go back and forth. You're either going to get it right or you're going to get it wrong. The other person does not get the question. Okay. And I'm uh, worried about doing either too well or too bad. Either I out myself as the biggest nerd ever or I lose my nerd cred. Listen, you guys, guy. I'm going to do too well uh, or too bad. You, you guys are <laughs> nerds no matter well. what happens. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Promise. Promise. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, Graham, this is your episode. We're going to start with you. I don't have any any funky background music for this. Sorry, uh, Rudy, if you want to hum. <laughs> Graham, here we go. What was the name of Gandalf's horse? Shadowfax. Michael, what's another name for the Starfleet's General Order 1? The Prime Directive? Graham, what Harry Potter actor died a few weeks before the premiere of the second film in the series that i don't know oh by the way three strikes and you're out that's how we're going to determine the winner first strike for Graham. baseball makes sense uh michael what was the name of the van that scooby-doo and company traveled around in the mystery machine Graham, what was different about Deep Space Nine opening credits for the episode The Emissary? I am not a Star Trek fan. (laughs) I wouldn't know that one either. Michael, what are the two highest value tiles in Scrabble? X and Q? Q and Uh, Z. It's two strikes to one uh, strike. Back. V was on... That was an option, yeah. Back to Graham. Anytime you get one wrong now, Graham, you're done. What which credit right. which Quidditch team does Victor Crumb play for? Victor Crumb, Victor Crumb. Wait. National team or school team? Oh my Na- gosh. National team. Uh Bulgaria. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, one AU or astronomical unit. Is the distance between what two objects? Oh, I suppose I, I know this one, but I don't have it. Strike me. The Earth and the Sun. It's two to two. Next wrong answer is going to determine the victor of this. Back to Graham. What is the opposite of a redshift? 
I don't even know what a redshift is. You could have guessed. <laughs> it's a blue shift. These are questions <laughs> for nerds. We're going to ask Michael uh, what his next <laughs> question would have been just because he was great enough to actually come in and, and a good sport. Uh, Michael, who does Peter Parker marry in 1987? Well, there's a possible couple possible candidates for that, but I would guess Mary Jane Watson. Uh, nerdiest answer ever. Yeah, you could have just said Mary Jane Watson, but you're like, well, it could have been a couple. And if you said Mary <laughs> Did you, did Bear Roller, did you Google search nerd questions? Like, uh, these were so all over That's the place. exactly what he Googled. Exactly. <laughs> the next round is called the geeky round. We just completed the go. nerd round. The next is I mean, the geeky round. If you really want to zero in on stuff for the two of us, ask us about some Lord, Lord of the Rings and Star Wars questions. Maybe some Marvel mixed in there, too. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was, I mean, I was about to ask, where is your area of expertise? Yeah, and I, I just, just went and, uh, I went and saw Return of the Jedi in theaters for the 40th anniversary with my wife over the weekend. And I had a lightsaber clipped to my belt. We went to Disney for our honeymoon and yeah, you, we went to the galaxy's edge on my birthday. <laughs> Even if I had won, give him the title. Just on that alone. <laughs> uh, with, uh, Graham, Michael, just raise a hand. Uh, Role play in the bedroom to Star Wars? <laughs> no? Okay, I was just asking. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, you're got, you guys... What's that? Wasn't this supposed to be a kid show? You screwed it up right away. We got put in a different dem demographic. Uh, well, I didn't know you were going to double down on it. <laughs> Listen, you guys are Star Wars fans, so I have a Star Wars question. As, an, okay. as, a, as a Star Trek fan... Who is okay. who is uh I'm not a fanatic about Star Wars, but I, I watch all the shows. I enjoy Star Wars. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite movies of all time is Rogue One. Of just yeah. all time. Of all time. Why do all the yeah. other movies suck so bad? Graham, you first. Well, I don't know. I believe it's a personal <laughs> opinion on your part. <laughs> there are movies that suck. Don't get me wrong. They exist. Um, I try not to even remember that Rise of Skywalker happened. Uh, it was a <laughs> um, But no, I, I adore Rogue One. I really do like it. I think the best part about it is there's like no, you know, Jedi stuff. Um, it's, Star Wars it's, needs more stories like that. Yeah, agreed. It's different. It, it went out to be different. And How, tell a story a different way. Yeah. And Barrel Roller, if you are a Star Trek hey. fan, I would guess the reason that you prefer Andor to other Star Wars content is that it's a little more grounded political implications. I mean, some of the best episodes of uh, The Next Generation are just when the people are talking a whole bunch and talking about implications of things and decisions they have to make. That When it gets more grounded like that, that's when Star Trek is most interesting to me forget the ship battles or anything mm -hmm. so if that's what you like i can understand why you would like rogue one for your star wars material so i'm how do you gentlemen with how do you gentlemen feel about what jo uh john favreau's storytelling it with through the mandalorian and 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 all the all the new disney plus series you want to go first grammar may go for it uh i would say that i think it the mandalorian has been 
excellent. I wish that it didn't have half a season of itself buried into the book of Boba Fett. Mm -hmm. And I do think that season three, some of the characters lost agency a little bit. Like, I'm not going to go into too many spoilers, but a lot of the major character changes were things that just happened to them and they reacted to them. They weren't decisions or choices that they made. And I think characters are most interesting when they can have their moments rooted in choice. But I do think The Mandalorian has been a nice look at some of the other aspects of Star Wars other than the big sweeping Jedi stories and we get to see more people living their daily lives, new species, all sorts of interesting new things that make the universe feel more lived in, I guess. Mm -hmm. So, your turn, Graham. Yeah, to piggyback off that, um, it expanded the universe and it got out of the like the sweeping arc that is the soap opera of the Skywalker family. <laughs> um, I do think the book of Boba Fett was a misstep for that character. Don't get me wrong. I love, love me some Boba Fett, but he's more interesting the less you know about him. Um, that's why he was so cool in The Empire Strikes Back because he had probably, what, like eight lines? Yeah. And you had no idea where he came from. You didn't know what he was, who he was, what he was there for, other than like, oh, damn. He's like standing next to Darth Vader. Yeah. He must be evil. Um, and then they go and try to make him like some benevolent crime lord in a TV show, and they gave a very half-baked conclusion to it. Yeah, um, in, in but, Empire Strikes Back, he is specifically the one that Vader holds up a finger and is like, no disintegration. They show you to him as such a badass that Vader has to like pull his leash a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. You're welcome, Barrel Roller. <laughs> Uh, to go back, I do like Star Trek because it's more storyline based as opposed to lunchbox based is what I call Star Wars because they just want to <laughs> merchandise everything and I just like storyline. So, uh, <laughs> Michael, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a good sport. I appreciate you, my man. You are very welcome. If you ever want me to nerd compete with anyone else, by all means, oh, <laughs> I'll be here. As oh. the current nerd champion of the Roller Out the Barrel show, you, you're going to have to come back. You know there's going to be title. people. There's going to be people. You know there's going to be gonna people. He's going to make a belt. He's going to make a belt. It's not going to be a belt. As long it's as the be belt a can hang a lightsaber on it. <laughs> Thanks again, Michael. You're very welcome. Always a pleasure to be on. You guys have a hey, nice Mike. rest of your evening. Hey, <laughs> hey, Graham, I don't think you started out being a catcher, but I believe that's what you're playing right now, is it not? That is correct. Yep. How, how did uh, that transition happen for you? So originally I was in the outfield uh, with my brother and schoolboy. Um, and I don't remember when it came to be. It was probably three seasons ago. Um, Silverback just had batting practice one day. He goes, why don't you just you know take some time behind the plate, see, what, see how you like it. Um, was back there. Absolutely loved it, mostly because there's very little running involved. Huh. Um <laughs> and I mean, I enjoyed throwing people out at second every now and again too. So it just felt like a natural fit. I still don't feel like I fully know all of the intricacies of the position, but I'm I'm having a good time back there. That's awesome. And when Silverback pitches, it's a hell of a leg workout. I'm moving say- all over the place. <laughs> I was about to say, did Silverback suggest you go back there when he was pitching, or did he, like, have somebody else pitch to you? <laughs> no, he, he started off, he indoctrinated me in back there. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, there was a story that I like to tell about this. So it was at Frankenmuth last year, 
and there was a gentleman from, I believe it was Akron, the Black Stockings. Mm-hmm. Yep. He was umpiring our match, and I'm like two, three innings in, and I'm dripping sweat. Like, I'm just working back there. And between innings, he goes, Silverback's pitching, of course. And he goes, is he mad at you for some reason? <laughs> no. No, this is normal. This is just a day in my life. And that's just the way that it is now. Uh, so we share this experience. Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, a, a miserable experience for an aging catcher, an aging man to get back there for when Silver... I would always try to convince him he was he was helping the team more by being somewhere else. Not that he was helping the team less at pitcher, but just like mm-hmm. you're so good here or you're so good there, and uh, <laughs> you know, he just he he the transition to pitching a lot had already begun. So uh, nothing I could do about that. But then I said, well, you know, now that I'm playing on other clubs, he's so erratic and does not throw a lot of strikes. He's going to try to be erratic when it comes to me because he's not going to give me anything to hit because I need something (laughs) really good to hit to get a good hit. And uh, so he's not going to give me that, and he's going to accidentally put it right down the middle. So I can always count (laughs) on a good pitch from Silverback, even though he's not trying to. So I appreciate you, Jeff. Uh, I I will say, though, in his defense, he did buy me foam padded knee pads. For my birthday, so we're good. Like the drop and hit the ground is a little. It's like falling on a cloud now. <laughs> it's not at all like falling on a cloud yet. It just hurts a little. <laughs> he, uh, uh, you know, I never, I never wore a cup uh, catching for anybody mm-hmm. else un- until he came into my life. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> and you just, you had to do what you got to do. It's uncomfortable uh-huh. playing vintage baseball in a cup. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it's it. It's uncomfortable wearing a cup, period. I don't care what sport you're playing. Huh. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Rudy. I mean, at least, at least in, in the Bay City uniform, the cup is a little, um, a little uh, like hidden. Like there, you it, you'd have to look really hard to be like that guy's wearing a cup in a capital uniform. It's like a cod piece. You're like a, <laughs> a medieval poet, and it's just like it's it's lewd. You feel like you're at a Prince concert. I will say, in the new uniforms, there is more room in the pants for a cup. There you go. In the red ones, no. <laughs> There's no give. That's Actually, why you guys get so many people at your games. Oh, I see what you did. At Worlds, what would it have been, two years ago? Yeah. Um, first, we're on field one for every game that we had at Worlds two years ago. And I get down to my crouch, and the pitch comes outside, and I have to slide out. And I, you know, got down to, like, a wider squat, I guess you could say, to, like, cut the ball or whatever. First pitch, blew the crotch out. First pitch of the weekend, I'm like, awesome. I'm in front of, like, a couple hundred people, and I've got this going on now. Cool. But yeah, so there was no room in those pants for anything. I've blown a couple of crotches. <laughs> <laughs> Phrasing. Started, oh, here we go. I started saying here that. We- I started saying that phrase, and I'm like, "Why aren't you saying it differently?" <laughs> I needed that in my life. Thank you. Ah, uh, you know. 
you get a chance to watch Adam McCulley play catcher, uh, and he's running all over the damn place. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen anybody play vintage baseball catcher than I've ever seen than I've seen Adam McCulley play it. So yep. you've had to take notice of of the play that he does back there. I have tried to model my game after Adam. Um, one, I believe it was a state cup about two three years ago. He dove over the bench full of people to catch a foul ball and he caught it and that is something that stuck with me for a long time nah, uh, well, that's showboating right there yeah, I mean, who cares about diving into a bunch of people when you can hit it into a bunch of people right Rudy should he be fair fouling <laughs> you know what he ain't never <laughs> caught one of mine like that <laughs> no I, I do try to pattern my game after Adam he's an incredible catcher uh, Graham, when you see Rudy Frias coming up or somebody like him that's going to do a fair follow probably, what's what's a defensive mindset of a catcher in that situation? Just do what you can. I mean, I've <laughs> never had – I don't think I've had Rudy fair followed on me at all before. Because um, you ended up hurting your knee last year the yeah. one time that I saw you. Um, <laughs> but I will say, and he's going to – love me for saying this uh ace terwilliger is incredible at fair fouling um it drives me crazy uh so i mean you just do what you can with it yeah i i did get to see last year at frankenmuth one of the gentlemen from fillmore he did the opposite swinging fair foul yep. and that i honestly had no idea what was going on he swung and the pitch hadn't even really got to him yet and then he came back around on it and it was a uh, Oh crap moment. Um, but yeah, going back to your original question, you just got to roll with it. And, uh, also as a catcher, when Rudy Frias fair fouls, it's your, it's your job to run after the first Kate first aid kit, uh, for the gas. She opens (laughs) up on, on the head of a, a woman, unsuspecting woman changing the diaper of her baby down the third baseline. A young mother changing the diaper of her newborn child. Wow. Rudy Frias, public enemy number one. Apparently. Uh, Graham, you've been, you've been around for a... Shut up, Rudy. You've been around for... You've been around for a handful of years. I'm sorry, Rudy. I didn't mean it. Uh... Uh, you've been around for a handful of years, so you've gotten to go to some pretty uh, pretty good events. Bay City does like to travel to some good events. If they're going to travel, they make it count. And uh, so what are some of the events you've had a chance to go to, and what are some of the events you're looking forward to going to in the future? Sure. Um, so Worlds, I'm going to count that as number one. I just love that venue. Um, you know, going and playing on Walnut Grove is wonderful. With all the people there that weekend. Being a living exhibit is incredible. Um, you know, went to Field of Dreams, like we had talked about. That was last year. The year prior, we made it out to Gettysburg, which was a very overwhelming experience. Um, you know, not necessarily the – the baseball was wonderful. It was a fast-paced, you know, real um, real competitive uh, variation of what we play here in the Midwest. But, you know, being able to walk the battlefield afterwards, um, that was an overwhelming experience. So those right there, those are my top two. Um, looking forward to going to this UP, doing this UP trip and bringing uh, vintage baseball up to the UP. Um, for all you non-Michigan people, the UP is the Upper Peninsula. Um, I don't know if I have to say that outright, but I feel as though I should. 
Um, you know, maybe Silver Ball is in the cards a couple of years from now. Um, again, we got to talk as a club, see where we want to go, see what we want to do. Um, I, you know, maybe we could get a couple games out of state. Like, you know, Colorado would be cool. Playing some frontier ball out there would be great. Um, just going around, you know, different parts of the country, playing the game I love, with guys that, you know, mean the world to me. That, that's all I really want to do. There's your sentimental plug for the show. Uh, sure. We'll take it. Uh, I definitely recommend East coast stock animals festival. Uh, I can't right. recommend the Rocky point festival yet. Cause I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to it. Rudy, I'm going to it. You're going uh, to recommend it. It everything I've heard about it. It's picturesque <laughs> and the clubs are great. I mean, great you're, time. you're right on the water and I'm going to eat fresh seafood, but no, I, you know, it's, we'll see what happens. Uh, that sounds real hard to take. It, yeah. Uh, and Colorado, of course, I think the corn shuckers just went out there. And uh, uh, California has something going on. You guys ever consider? Uh, I know it's never. It was never even brought up as a conversation piece when I was on the club. But has there ever been talk about maybe trying an '84 style game with somebody? It's not come up yet. Um, I've never been part of that conversation. If it had come up, um, so. Kind of going to like the background of you know me being in captain, kind of touching back on this again. Like I was always the guy that just showed up. I just wanted to show up and play baseball. That's that's just 100% what I wanted to do. So this is a whole different you know world for me to try to live in. Um, so as far as like the planning stuff years out from now, I don't know. <laughs> I don't but <laughs> you will uh, get there. You you talk about how much you love baseball. Well, let's go through it tell us your very earliest memories of, of baseball in your life. And I'm talking before you put on a little league uniform, start from your very first baseball memories and let's work up to uh, where you are today. Sure. So before I even put on a little league uniform, I remember being over at my grandma's house. Cause both my parents work. Um, my grandparents, I was very fortunate enough to have them living like two blocks away from the house that I grew up in. So I would go spend tons of time with my grandparents and my grandpa, always had a ball game on. I don't care what team it was. He didn't care what team it was. There was baseball on TV when it was on. And I just remember sitting there on the couch with him or in in his lap in the kitchen because they had a TV in the corner of the kitchen, just sitting there watching baseball in the middle of the summer. And it was either the Tigers or the Braves. Those were my grandpa's two teams. Actually, my grandpa's buried with a Braves hat, now that I think about it. Um, yeah, that's my very earliest memory. And, you know, even at home, when I was still living with my parents, like, baseball was on TV every time it was available to be on TV in the summer. Like, that's just what happened. Didn't matter if we were watching it. Like, it was on. Um, you know, the voice of Ernie Harwell, in my mind, from the radio, like, I still remember that. Then you get up and be playing t-ball in Auburn. Like, just I played t-ball Little League through Auburn. I played all the way through, I think, six. The middle league up through sixth grade, and I took a couple years off and I played freshman baseball for Bay City Western. Um, I was going to go out my JV year, but I was told the summer between freshman and JV year that if I didn't really want to dedicate my whole summer to playing baseball, don't even bother trying out. So um, I joined the wild world of track and field after that, uh, which was great. I absolutely loved it. I uh, did that for three years on top of playing uh, football in high school. And uh, then after I got out of high school, I joined the softball ranks 
because what else can you do, right? Um, played a couple of years for a church league for the church that I still attend. Um, and then jumped on a couple of teams at Vets Park here in Bay City. Saw one too many fist fights because Vets Park is going to Vets Park. Um, <laughs> then, like I said, my brother called me up that one day. He said, hey, do you want to play vintage? And yeah, jumped on. Uh, had a bit, I had a softball game right after that vintage game, like a couple days later. And I just remember being out in the outfield thinking, this is so boring. I don't even want to do this anymore. So I think that was my last season playing softball. And I just did vintage full time after that. Uh, when you were in your neighborhood playing baseball and, and what did it look like? Cause you weren't getting 17 friends together and playing a full game on a field. You got a handful of friends, you got a location that wasn't premium and you put together a game that resembled baseball as much as possible. What did that look like and what were the rules? It really wasn't even trying to play a game. It was you maybe had six kids and it was 500. That's all it was. You just hit a ball up in the air into a gaggle of children who would never catch it. And when you inevitably found somebody who wanted to go up and try to hit, you would just swap out people. Um, yeah, we there wasn't a, there weren't a lot of kids in our neighborhood really. I mean, six was a good day. Six was a damn good day. Usually it was like three, four, but that's mostly what it was. It was a lot of 500. But, I mean, Dad, Taylor, and I, we'd all go out in the yard and just throw, just grab the gloves. We'd be sitting there doing nothing in the middle of the day, and you'd just, you know, a ball glove would wind up in your lap. And Dad would be standing there. He's like, come on, we're going to go. We're going to play catch. You just go out in the yard for, like, I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes, just throwing a ball back and forth, just talking about life. Like, that's just what we did. Um, and there was always the rule that uh, <laughs> he's going to kill me for saying this. My dad always said, um, the day that I say I don't want to throw, just shoot me. Because it's over. Like, if you don't want to go out in the yard and just toss the ball with your sons, like, it's over. In his mind, that's what it was. <clears throat> that's dark. Wait. <laughs> Uh, Tried to be wholesome. What if he has a shoulder injury? Are you going to put him down? Is that what we're talking about here? I'll teach him to throw the other way. <laughs> uh, Graham, you have been uh, you have been awesome, my friend. Rudy, do you have a question for Graham? How are you doing, Graham? We've covered that. We're back to this question again. <laughs> you, know, you know, no, I was going to say that uh, uh, it's so great to get a chance to talk to you and that if we do see each other this weekend something went horribly wrong so uh, i mean even even if you're successful in your first match and you see us i stand by that statement something went horribly wrong for the capitals so i wish you nothing but the best of luck saturday likewise <laughs> oh god that's right i'm calling uh we're calling uh, matches right. at the Flat Rock Invitational this week, and we're going to see Graham know, in person. Yeah, now you that know. I know some secrets, I know that he's got knee pads on, and he's wearing a cup. That's going to make it into the commentary. Why? <laughs> <laughs> because the fans want to know, Barrel Rollers. This is the stuff they subscribe for. Who are these fans? Why are they talking to you like that? <laughs> you'd, you'd be surprised, Graham, how many people you're talking to. <laughs> I know I am. <laughs> Fair enough. 
Uh, Graham, we can't let you go before I give you the old pepper. It's a thing we do at the end of episodes. I'm sure you've never stuck around long enough for one of those. So here we go. Short questions with short answers. (laughs) I do have imaging for that. That's nice. Uh, What is the best looking uniform in vintage baseball? That's not Bay City. Oh, man. The Lottie Dot. Gee, it's the same looking uniform. Come on, go outside the box a little. <laughs> it's simple. I support oh, it. Oh, man. Okay, fine, fine. The Lansing Capitals. All right, I'll accept that. I thought if you picked another red on white uniform, things were going to happen here. Uh, Graham, next question. The Ohio versus Michigan Cup. Still interested? There have been conversations. It's always conversations with you, Graham. <laughs> when do decisions get made? <laughs> I don't like to be tied down, barrel roller. I don't like to be tied down. Graham, what was your first car? A nineteen ninety six red Chevy Beretta. Do you believe in aliens? Yeah. What was your first job? I was a stock boy at a grocery store. Who's your favorite major league baseball player of all time? Oh, of all time, man. Do I have to have seen them live? No. Ted Williams. Uh, what was your favorite child toy? I had a, uh, <laughs> I had a giant model of the Millennium Falcon. Played with it all the time. Is it on your dresser right now? <laughs> Sold it many years ago. <laughs> Uh, name, well, okay, we're on a Star Wars. Name an overrated and underrated Star Wars character. For overrated, t- Boba Fett. Underrated, oh man, Lando. Lando's underrated. Why is Lando wearing Han Solo's clothes? What is that all about? Han Solo gets... What? It's sick, twisted humor. It's got to be. Because it happened, right? I mean, I'm not making yeah. this oh, up. Yeah, it absolutely happened. Now, let me ask you this. Is it possible that those are Lando's clothes and Han Solo was wearing them? I've never thought of it that way. That's 100% what happened. Billy D. Williams is a trendsetter. Okay. <laughs> well, Colt 45 didn't do so well. So... Uh, you bite your <laughs> Rudy Frias, big malt liquor guy. <laughs> who, who knew? Uh, I pictured I pictured him as a uh, a salter. Uh, you know, best superhero. Oh man, best superhero, Captain America. What was the first concert you ever went to? I went to 38 special. I was 11. Ooh, teacher, teacher. Uh, build us your favorite nachos. Oh, man. Okay. So you got to have a layer of chips, a layer of cheese, and mm. then another layer of chips. Mm. So you have the two layers of chips bound together. I've never heard the two-layer chip system before. This is... Try it. It'll change your life. But that's it? More Just cheese. Chip. Oh, okay. Keep going. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, no, yeah. No. yeah, yeah, yeah. Then more cheese, meat, Cheese sauce. What is the meat? 
ground beef and chorizo. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't mess around when it comes to nachos, man. Honey! <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> All right. Then, where was I at? I had uh, cheese and then cheese sauce, onions, jalapenos, tomatoes, black beans, salsa verde, guacamole, and sour cheese. Oh, God. Yep, that's about right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> have you ever had a near-death experience? Yes. Oh, tell I us. Have. Do it. So I was, I was driving down US 10 um, between Bay City and Midland. Uh, I was driving a car that had performance tires on the back. And, uh, you know, rear-wheel drive, performance tires, the back end kicked out on me. Um, it was freezing rain. I was going a little faster than I should have been. Um, so I wound up completely perpendicular to the highway. And I was looking out my window going westbound on US 10, uh, looking out my driver's side window. And I literally put my hands on the steering wheel, closed my eyes, and I'm like, I guess this is just how I'm going. And I got rear-ended and thrown off the highway. And I, I thought I was going to roll the car and die. But I got thrown off the highway, and thank God I did. Wow. It's it's amazing how many of those we come across, too. Near-death experiences. Uh, mm-hmm. Last question, Graham, and you've been such a great sport for us, so I just want to, I can't thank you enough, but uh, give us your Mount Rushmore of Pokemon characters. Oh, God. I think. Um, Mewtwo. Charizard. I'm trying to think. Gotta go with Pikachu. Um, damn it. I'll go with Gengar. Excellent job. Thank you. Uh, and that's going to do it for tonight's show. Uh, you have been uh, a delight. I have met you, uh, multiple times and, uh, you are a fine young man, Graham. And, uh, I always enjoy our interactions, uh, when we crum- come well. across each Thank other, you. uh, your parents have done a fine job with you and your brother. And uh, even though your your dad tried to kick me out of the park when I was setting up for my podcast, I still, I forgive him. <laughs> oh, that sounds about right. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and I can't thank you enough for being on the show, and I'm going to see you this Saturday. Uh, Rudy, you want to say your goodbyes? And, uh, and then stick around after Graham leaves, and we'll, we'll say goodbye to each other. Graham, it's just great to learn more about you, buddy. And I, I, I can't wait to see you on Saturday, okay? Right on. It's been great hanging out with you, too. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And that does it. Episode 190. You know what that means, Rudy? You're 10, 10 episodes away. Oh, <laughs> from what? 200, duh. It's math. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know, uh, just warning, aren't like four or five of those episodes getting used up on this Saturday? So just... Yeah, I know. 
I just want to keep warning you. So when we hit record one day and go, all right, episode 200, here's 200. what we're doing. You're going to be like, I got nothing. <laughs> I got a whole, got everything planned out. I don't believe it for a second. Uh, so once again, you can catch us on the Facebook, on the Instagram, on the Twitter, uh, at Podbean. Dot com. You can. That's where you find all of our episodes, all of our fine episodes, and the couple of bad ones. Uh, and uh, let me say, last week's episode, lots of downloads, biggest episode of this season so far. And uh, actually, numbers are up across the board as people get back into the swing of things. It's you know predictable. So we appreciate you. Make sure you share this very podcast and all of our episodes with everybody on your club on on your social medias so everybody gets a chance to know that we exist because although you might not want to listen to all these episodes believe me there's some jamoke on your team that will yeah. <laughs> and uh and that we're jamoke based so <laughs> that's her sweet spot Rudy, good to see you again. Boy, am I glad that I do not feel like I did the last three days so we could get this in. I feel I feel great. Uh, wow. I think baseball cured me. I would say absolutely it cured you. And you know what? We're gonna you're gonna feel even better this Saturday when we get together and we bring the community something special. Oh yeah, I've seen. I've seen what you're planning for the video. So when we release videos of these games, by the way. Let's just talk about it, you know, right now. Because we always, right. we're an open book to the community about the stuff we're doing. Yeah. So, uh, you shared with me your plans on some of that. Rudy's handling all of the video stuff. I'm going to give him material and, and stuff, but he's doing all of that. So he's going to, I don't know how fast he's going to get that stuff out. I'm not going to worry about it. It's going to be up to Michelle. Is she going to let him work on it for 15 <laughs> minutes tonight? Or is she going to let him work on it for an hour? It's really, we'll see what happens. But uh, are you planning on releasing a game at a time as you get it done? Or are you going to go with releasing the whole event at, at once? I think I'm going to I'm gonna space it out just to give everybody, instead of doing the, uh, the Netflix, here's the entire series, binge watch it. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna build I'm gonna have it build um, because you know it is it's a one person crew here and I'm excited to uh, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty pretty great I'm excited about it. I also am excited about it, uh, and whenever Rudy Frias is excited about something, it comes out real good. So <laughs> it comes out better than my real good. His real good is better than my real good, and that's real good for you. <laughs> So uh, good to see you, my friend, and we will see you next week on the Flippity Flip. Right for the Barrel Roller. I'm the Swamp Fox telling you to keep it station to station, and we'll see you out in the field. What was that? It was bad. It, it had nothing, no fire, no energy, no nothing. You know I have a show to run here, you know? Hmm? Hmm? And it must pop, pop, pop. So tomorrow from 5 to 7, will you please act like you have more than a two-word vocabulary? It must-